We're looking for kids on bikes. Kids on bikes? From the silver screen to the GM screen, Never Say Die asks, what can we learn from movies to enhance our role-playing game experience? This season, we're all about kids on bikes movies, where kids 18 years of age or younger get themselves into and out of trouble and keep their agency while doing so, usually in a specific location, which is essential to the plot. I'm Rafe Telsch, film critic. And I'm Drew Meyer, game enthusiast. And today, we're talking 1983's BMX Bandits, written by Patrick Edgeworth and Russell Haig, and directed by Brian Trenchard Smith, and starring David Argue, John Lay, and 15-year-old Nicole Kidman, among others. <laughs> this episode will contain spoilers, so consider yourself warned. Yeah, this is an interesting one to come back on after a, uh, a, a little abbreviated break there, Drew. Uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was uh, shocked to see 15-year-old Nicole Kidman back before she had all of the uh, augmentation, we'll say, done. <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman, who stands like three and a half feet taller than everybody else in this movie, too, uh, which is impressive. Sure. So we always start off with the elevator pitch, uh, you know, just a simplified version of the plot. Uh, Drew, this was your pick. So we're going to we're hitting the button in the elevator. What is your pitch? All right. We only got a few seconds. Listen to this. Three teens steal some walkie-talkies that are owned by criminals, and then the criminals spend the next 80 minutes of the movie in a bike-versus-car chase scene that leaves most of Sydney in ruins, and then ends with a climax, which reaches levels of child endangerment that really needs to be seen to be believed. <laughs> All with a Looney Tunes level of uh, physical comedy, I would say. <laughs> a Looney Tune level of physical comedy, a Marx Brothers level of dialogue, and a soundtrack that is essentially either um, old-timey saloon piano, fart machine, or um, just a sound effect that just goes like this. Because every single time a bike does a stunt, it makes... This sound. That is literally the fourth note I have from watching this movie is the uh, whoosh sound effect. Is bonkers. Bonkers. Is but it's not unusual for films of this era. So this is 1983. You had a, a, a surgence of... BMX biking and skateboarding movies coming out in this time period. And those kinds of special effects were played into them all the time. It really was trying to key into the, isn't this cool? Isn't this rad? Not that I'm using the film title rad, uh, you know, type thing. And having seen many of those movies, having been a bike slash skater enthusiast in that time period, uh, this fits. <laughs> yeah, and this is the first one too. If you if you look at this, so 1983, this is just after ET. So the kids on bikes phenomenon really doesn't take off until after this. Sort of. I mean, though I should also mention that this movie mentions the actual line "kids on bikes" not once, but twice in the yep. actual film. Um, so yeah, you mentioned Rad. I think that comes out in 1986. Uh, Dirt Bike Kid comes out in 1985. Gleaming I mean, the Cube. Gleaming the Cube is 88, I believe. Boy, let me tell you, that one was influential on uh, a particular gaming enthusiast. 
And and there are some uh, skateboard movies that I remember watching with my best friend growing up at the time that I don't even remember the name of. We were just watching them because they were mm-hmm. skateboarding slash biking movies. Like, I can't find them because I don't have enough information to go back and find them. But these these were very prevalent, and those kinds of sound effects, ridiculous as they are, and they are, uh, were, were a staple of this kind of movie. Right, and and the other thing to, to mention about those movies is they they are targeting kids exclusively, right. uh, with the exception of Gleaming the Cube, which is essentially a murder mystery that has skateboarding in it. It's it's not a kids' film per se, even though I think I saw it when I was eight years old, and all of my friends went and saw it with us. But um, for more information about Drew's inappropriate age of watching movies, check out any of his episodes of my other podcast. Have not seen this. <laughs> Listen, one of the things is, if it's the 80s, they're going to target movies specifically to kids. But, you know, this is also the same time period where I could go to Toys R Us and pick up a Freddy Krueger action figure or sure. a Jason Voorhees action figure. Um, I remember buying the Jason, no, Freddy Krueger glove, razor blade glove, you know, for kid-friendly razor blade glove. Like, you know, it was a different time. The fact that no one is smoking in this movie is mind-boggling. But we're going to talk about the misogyny in a little while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of a different time. So, Drew, this this was your pick, mm-hmm. uh, as we said. Why, why, why did you pick this movie for our next feature to discuss? There's a lot of kids on bikes movies that involve, uh, that are part of the horror genre. And uh, there's a lot of them coming up. You know, horror yes. comedy, straight out horror. And we sort of looked at a kid-friendly movie uh, with with the the kid who would be king, and it was the first film. Like we mentioned this in the last episode, it was the first film that you kind of diverged from uh, looking at classics to do a more modern film. I'd been right. doing more modern films. I wanted to go back to a classic, uh, and this is a film that I don't think had sort of been forgotten in general. If, if Nicole Kidman wasn't in this film, I don't think we would be even able to find it at all. And, and, and let me address something with that. We, and I, I don't remember if you said it in the episode or said it off mic, but by Forgotten, this movie is not readily available on any streaming service in the United States, but is available for free on YouTube through, I'm sure, an illegal upload, but that's where it is. It is not a movie that is readily out there like a lot of the other movies we've picked and yet it is because you can just go on YouTube and watch it. Right. And there's a lot of movies like that and and this is not going to be the last film that we that falls under that category. You can find this film on DVD at the dollar store, but it's the quality of that DVD is really bad. It's almost as the equal quality to the YouTube. You know, this is this is not a crisp film. Uh, right. You can, if you would like, to spend 25 bucks. I think Shout Factory has a really nice Blu-ray of this. But, you know, it depends how much of a completionist you are with the genre. I'm be slowly becoming a completionist, but I don't think I'm going to spend the money on it. We can talk about why that is uh, in a little bit. <laughs> I also want to reiterate something else you, you said both in the, in the elevator pitch and the why did you choose it, which is this is a movie that was made for kids. So much like The Kid Who Would Be King, the last film that we talked about, we aren't the target audience for this film. This was made as a kid-friendly film, much more targeted at a younger audience than two middle-aged white guys. Yeah, and it's true. And this is this is a film that I would have thought that I would have seen at, at that time because Brian Trenchard Smith's quite a few of his films 
were coming and being shown on HBO. So this probably was available. I may have even seen it as a kid, but I have zero memory of it uh, until I watched it for the first time fairly recently. Once I watched it, because I wanted to see it, because I knew this was on my list. You know, I'd, I'd heard about this film. I knew it was a very bike-centric movie, and that was something that I really wanted. There were no bikes in The Kid Who Would Be King. No. And I really wanted to focus on kids on bikes. And this is the bikiest kids on bikes film we're probably going to talk about. Probably. <laughs> there is almost never a scene where the bike is not in the frame. They're the cemetery on the scene. bikes. The, the cemetery scene. You're absolutely right. The cemetery scene. And even then, they're wearing... <laughs> They're like they're wearing their BMX outfits. This is the I mean this is this is like imagine a film where the Goonies get together and they say we should become the Goonies and then they're all wearing Goonies shirts. These kids are literally wearing BMX bandits shirts in one scene. Like all all what? the scenes once once they get the money, uh once they've sold the walkie-talkies, I know we're jumping ahead in the plot. They wear those shirts for the rest of the the film. Uh which is awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> All right, so so you you mentioned you know uh, uh, watching this. When did you first watch this film? Probably about a week or two before we did our intermission for the uh, the kid who would be king. So oh. I'm, uh, this is this is was new to me. Uh, I I pulled it from the list that we got off of the uh, kids on bikes community off of Facebook. I looked at a couple of them. I looked at a, just a brief plot synopsis of it, and it just I think the plot synopsis says there's just a big bike chase. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> and because the thing is, too, you know, we talk about being in a small town, Sydney, Australia, not a small town, but it's a very small area. Uh, the area isn't as important, I suppose, but I still feel it qualifies. But knowing that it's it's just biking the entire time, I thought this is something that we really haven't seen. And I watched it and went, <laughs> I've got to share this with the world. <laughs> Yeah, I I watched it because you picked it for the podcast. So I've only seen it the first time uh, within the past couple of months since we recorded our last episode. I, I rewatched it today, uh, so it, it is a new addition to my film knowledge. Yeah, you know, at this point in time, I think what we do is not see ourselves so much as kids on bikes podcasters, but now we are kids on bikes historians, and it's sort of we have to we have to uh, <laughs> dig deep and, and get. You know, the full experience. We, we are very well-rounded kids on bikes uh, connoisseurs. And this is one I think is essential, whether you like it or not. Okay. All right. So the film sits at a uh, on, on Rotten Tomatoes at a uh, score of 67%. A surprising 67%. <laughs> very surprising 67%. Audience score of 54%. So it it is a positive film, but not positive enough that it is uh, considered fresh by any means. So so usually when we look at movies, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. What were the highlights? What were the bad bits? What were the worst bits? Uh, Drew, what what is good? Give me something good about this. Please give me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, what is good about uh, uh, BMX Bandits? I know a lot of people don't like it when ch- child characters are given dialogue that children wouldn't say. But this film is rife with it. Uh, And I really, really like the dialogue. The first line of the movie is, this is thirsty work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's not 
thirsty in the way that we're using it today, different times, <laughs> but um, there are equally as bad entendres in this one. I mean, again, it is a kid's movie, um, even though children are threatened constantly in the film. But I, I really like the dialogue. I, I think it's very funny. And I think you could potentially remake this film and not change much of the plot or the script and just how it's made. It could be a fairly relevant movie or cartoon. It doesn't really matter. I, I, I think this seized a moment in, in history. Uh, and uh, went with it. What about you, Rafe? Is there is there anything good that you find about this film? Well, I want to I want to add on to what you just said uh, as far as some of the dialogue, the adult the adult type dialogue. Uh, as I said, uh, just notable lines that I wrote down. Uh, this is thirsty work is the first line of the film. Uh, the the exchange about you always think we've got trouble. That's because we've always got trouble. Mm-hmm. And the just recurrence to a point of frustration for me of oh uh they can't get us in here crash they come crashing in and now they're in oh couldn't possibly get any worse it gets worse it's like that's just to me that's just that's lazy writing and that's that's throughout the film it's a little annoying to me as a from a writing standpoint but so this is the thing that you like this is the good part of the the, the movie that you're enjoying no 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 i'm just I, you brought up the writing i'm just giving my right, opinion on the writing yeah I think because this is a kid's movie, your objections and you're right, lazy writing, sure. Fun for a kid to watch in the 80s? Absolutely. I sure. think, like, if you go into this watching this as a, as a kid, I think you could still sit a kid down and show them this film and they would be infinitely entertained because it is a cartoon. It, yes. It is absolutely a cartoon and and there and and to not to its detriment i don't think i i no. think if, no. if you elevate it to any of the other films that we have watched there's no gravitas no and I, and i think i think that's that's one of the things my one of my positive things about it is it is aimed at a child audience uh as i mean it's, i recognize that some of the issues that i'm going to have with this film like the writing uh are going to be from a more adult critical standpoint but but for a kid's audience, there's a lot of fun stuff in here mm-hmm. that kids are going to enjoy. The fact that the and, and I, I that it's what he's called in the credits, but the fat kid who I like wrote down because I was expecting him to be a more important character, and all he gets in the credits is fat kid. Um, he's know, not fat kid, by the way. Oh, he's not fat kid. He's the creep. He's the creep. I thought he's one of the, the bad guys was the creep. No, no, oh, he's the creep because they refer to him. There is another. Fat kid. Uh, okay. All right. It. Well, then the creep pushing the 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 shopping carts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, away, or the fact that flower bags of flour are used as a weapon in the beginning of the film's climax, or or those kinds of things. Like kids will like that, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can definitely see the appeal of it for that younger audience. And I think that's a good thing about it. Like I I did write down in my notes as I was writing all the different locations that the 20-minute the, the chase sequence <laughs> takes them through. I even did then add, I said, I, practically Looney Tunes-esque. And, yeah. and to me, as an adult, that's a little annoying. It's a little much. But I guarantee you, as a kid, especially a kid in 1983, that, that it, was, it was crazy. Like, I guarantee you they loved that kind of thing. I watched the chase sequence, which is the majority of the film, with a gog uh, the first time. 
just going, I can't believe, one, they're doing this. Two, it's still going. Right. When I rewatched this film for the second time, because, you know, almost two months had passed and I had gone through four <laughs> semesters of grad school, I, it's my favorite part of the film. And I still, there's yeah. a certain level of unadulterated joy where, like, you would not get this in a movie today. Even a kid's movie. Because they would still look at it and go, no, we can't do this. This is too stupid. No one's going to believe this. There's just a, a, a level of just unadulterated glee to everything that is happening. And, like, the amount of damage. One of the things I didn't do is I didn't look up what the budget of this film is. But uh, most of the budget of this film is in... Budget destroying... was uh, 1.05 million Australian. I would have expected more for the amount of damage that occurs. Uh, they destroy buildings. Yes. Multiple buildings, multiple cars. Some of the footage of some of the ruined buildings are actually taken from other movies. <laughs> okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. We still haven't explained it. Like, for those of you who are going, yeah, yeah, fine. We know what you like and don't like. But what's the actual plot of the movie? I gave you the synopsis. There isn't anything more than that. Yeah. No, so this chase this chase goes from a standard car chasing three teenagers on bikes into a water park, mm-hmm. in onto a rugby field, uh-huh. then to through a shopping center, uh-huh. then into an abandoned building. Uh-huh. Which is an air hangar, I believe. And then through a construction site. Yes. Like that's why it's a 25, 30 minute chase scene is because it it's so many. And I'm sitting there watching this going, how do you do this in a game? How do you gamify this portion of it without your players going, enough! <laughs> and we'll talk about that in the second half. I, I, so there's a couple of things, a couple of places we, we didn't go through. Uh, they do go through private residence. They yes. go through a couple of people's backyards. There is a marina that they drive around. A lot of the action takes place in the near marina. There's a rugby field. Yeah, I did say that. Oh, you did. Right, right. So I would call this a mall, right? It, it is an outdoor mall. And in that outdoor mall, they destroy a department store, a water fountain, a bookstore, a pizzeria. And I said an air hanger. I'm pretty sure it's a blimp hanger. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you look at the roof of that uh, giant building that the car's doing donuts in, the roof opens is hinged and opens. I think it's used for inflating blimp dirigibles and and launching those. But that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. All right. What else is good? <laughs> what else is good? Oh, I think the comedy's good. I, I like I said, the dialogue, the comedy, and the chase are all pretty solid. I think for what the film is, all three of the actors who are playing the kids are great. Sure. I you know they're not L Fanning level of actors, right? This is not Super Eight, but for what is asked of them, which is say these lines, which you may or may not understand, and then ride your bikes, and uh, uh, that's that's all that's really asked of them for the most part. I think they're fine. Like it's it's never the kids acting that that annoys me. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, and Kidman is not anything special here. There is absolutely no reason to watch this movie and think, oh, she's going to go on to do great things and marry Tom Cruise. Uh, she, she's she's good in it, you know, but she's not like a breakout star to my mind. I mean, she's no she's no Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. She's <laughs> she's no Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, what was it? Critters in Critters Three, right? But 
you know, some of our actors, they start small and they work their way up. So, yeah, the comedy is good. I'm going to put a pin on that because there's some of the comedy that's not good, but we'll come back Mm -hmm. to that in a a few minutes. Um, I mean, the chase scene is is good. Uh, You know, one of the things that cracked me up is some of the, the... iconic 80s tropes that make their way into this movie just because they just they, that's that's what they did back then so uh the example that that stood out to me most is from the the cemetery scene which i really liked the cemetery scene by mm-hmm. the way towards the end of that scene we suddenly have a wino right a la back to the future a la the blob a la highlander you know it's like for some odd reason that was a staple of 80s storytelling that we had to have this drunk who was like uh exposed to whatever was going on and then gave a second look to the bottle in his hand or poured it out or whatever i Mm -hmm. i I don't know why that was a thing but uh, you know and there i just named three other movies that make use of it so right and all the same time period for the most part right i think i think that is a relic of like you you probably are not seeing that but again you would see that in a cartoon yeah you would see that in a cartoon from the 50s 60s and 70s sort of thing we're not going to see it on anything that nickelodeon is producing now right but yeah i like it i like i like the villains in this um and i know uh, you audience you can't see this rafe is rolling his eyes there is a direct (laughs) comparison between these villains and the fratellis um in that in the no listen in the very beginning of this they are competent dangerous shotgun wielding pig mask wearing criminals who has has a smart leader but sends these two individuals out the individuals become essentially cartoon characters in the same way that the Fratellis become cartoon characters when they go after the kids. There are goofy sounds. The level of danger that the kids are in, this comes out before Goonies. And there are direct parallels between them threatening a kid, cornering a kid in a room, and threatening to gut them or cut them or put them in a blender. Goonies is much more mature. There is there's a lot more scary stuff in it. This is not meant for that same age group. And so the level of buffoonery that f- befalls these characters, it, it starts to lean into the bad. Uh, and probably, I, I think Rafe is nodding his head vigorously. So let's talk about the things you didn't like, Rafe. Uh, starting with the villains. I hated the villains. The, the, mm-hmm. the, and I, I get what the point you're making. The problem is 90% of this movie, the villains are incompetent buffoons. Mm-hmm. To the point that it completely, and I, I've watched this movie twice, completely wiped out my memory of them establishing the villains as a threat at the beginning. And and right. you're right. I get what you're seeing saying as far as the Fratellis. My my note that I even wrote down was the the Fratellis are these are worse than the Fratellis. Yes, you know that I did not feel at any point like there was a threat from these two particular goons not even the graveyard no not even the the, dude they were worried about what masks to wear going into the grave they changed their masks because the pig masks weren't appropriate and why why did they have pig masks for the bank robbery and one of them is wearing a wolf mask which would make sense if there were three goons wearing pig masks but there were four so you had four pigs and a wolf that doesn't make sense to me (laughs) 
Um, no, I didn't really feel like the bad guys were ever a credible threat, and so that diminished the the danger that the the BMX bandits are in throughout the entire film. Like with the Fratellis, it's established that they are bad people, and it's reiterated throughout the film uh, with things like almost putting Chunk's hand in the blender and, right. and and that kind of stuff. But here it's established that they're bad people and then they go off to catch these kids and they're just incompetent buffoons the, the whole time. Like, like it just didn't feel like a threat to me. And and that may very well be part of where I'm not the target audience for this. So this is made for no, a younger audience. It, and it's I totally... definitely a younger audience than the Goonies. But you have, you have Billy Idol, uh, wannabe Billy Idol, uh, uh, whose name is Dwayne, which is reiterated a couple of times, and then the other one is just known as the Mustache, because um, they did not. That and that's kind of going back to what I was saying about the script. They didn't name most of the characters. They did not give them names, and and I just the the level of buffoonery was just a little much for me. Did you, or did you not get a chuckle when they strike kung fu poses? When the kids are barreling down on them with uh, gaffer hooks and they start to do Bruce Lee imitations, it's so ludicrous and it comes out of nowhere. It is. And I did laugh at that, I will yeah. admit. And Mustache also then attempts to karate chop through a sign and fails uh, later on. Yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, there's, I mean, it's, it is cartoonish, but there's kind of a, I felt there was kind of a joy. The part of the criminals that I didn't like is there's a weird little subplot where Dwayne Mustache won't let Dwayne drive the car. Right. And Dwayne frequently ruins their chances of catching the kids because he really wants to do the car and he's a bad driver. Like that, it's weird. Like they needed to pad the movie more or they just wanted to drive cars the car into things and and trash the car so that at the end of the movie the car is like barely holding on like that felt like a, a step too far it felt attached to uh smoky and the bandit where the Maybe. police car is falling apart throughout the entire movie Maybe. um i i think it, what i needed is for one of the two of them whether it was Dwayne or the mustache i needed one of the two of them to be competent right and the other to be comic relief Sure. I did not need both of them to be comic relief and there just be no competency whatsoever. Yeah, so. I think that's I think oh, listen, I think that's perfectly fair. Are there other things that you found bad uh, before we move on to the ugly? Yeah, okay, so also with the bad guys, although it's not a bad guy thing. So you've already brought up the fact that this is set in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Our long shots established that this is set in Sydney. It shows us the city. We don't actually go into the city for a lot of the movie. And yet... The first night that the bad guys are looking for the kids, they just happen across them. Like, this is supposed to be a major metropolitan area. You don't just, like, that would be like, I mean, even just if I came to the city that you live in, Drew, which is not a major city. If I came to the city, the odds that you and I would just happen into each other are pretty minuscule. I can't believe that you're nitpicking that in a children's movie from the 80s. So what you're saying, like, is you would rather the plot be realistic than not happen. The, what little plot it is. I get it. <laughs> I get it. But it's sort of like, you see what those kids are wearing. You see the neon colors. You can spot them from across Sydney now. Uh, it, I don't think the criminals have any any problem seeing them. I, I, 
I remember thinking, oh yeah, it's like basically wearing a plastic suit of armor. BMX BMX equipment is amazing. <laughs> I mean, if, if we're going to go bad, how about the fact that Judy doesn't have a bike and the moment they give her the bike, she becomes the best rider in the group. And there's a right. whole five-minute sequence of her doing stunts. It's clearly not Nicole Kidman. No, doesn't in fact, matter. it's not even a girl because they couldn't find a stunt driver that looked like her. So they have a guy in a wig. Yeah. I don't uh, okay. care. All right. I don't okay, care. Fine. I would Pro- have cared when I was six. Progression of story. There are several times that the progression of story, it, it jumps. It right. just, it doesn't explain to the audience what the heck happened. It just jumps. Like There's a moment I mentioned to Drew before we started recording where the kids are hiding from the bad guys and then we see the police have been listening in because these walkie-talkies that the kids have are on a police frequency. So they've been listening in. They decide they need to find these kids. They go to the creep, not the fat kid. And then suddenly they've got the kids. There's, there's like, no, they were hiding out in a, a, a warehouse somewhere at a construction site. How did the police find them? We don't know. We're never told. It's just like, oh, they've no. got them. They've got them. We yeah. don't know what happens at the end. Like, they catch the bad guys. Like, did the kids get in trouble because they did something stupid again? Or are they just hailed as heroes? Or, no, it's just jump to the, the 20 seconds of resolution and then... No, it, they set up the resolution perfectly. The kids get caught. They basically learn that there is a reward out for both right. of these characters. And if they if they catch them, they get the reward. They specifically say, if we get that reward, we can build a, a, a BMX park. Right. They capture them at the end, and then they get a BMX park. But they also are trying the the plan that they execute, or the plan that they lay out, is that they're going to get the bad guys caught without getting directly involved, because that would be doing something stupid, which they've been told not to do. And yet they do get directly involved. So are the police angry with them? I mean, I just I want answers. I want good storytelling. Darn it! <laughs> the police aren't angry with them after we get a twenty minute sequence where they destroy almost every one of those locations we just named. The police officers like. Wow, you've been really bad. But you're not going to do it again, are you? No, sir. Well, then I guess we'll just let you go. This is this yeah. is this is agency and free from <laughs> This is this is again, it's just like the kid who would be king where it's sort of like wish fulfillment, right? Where it's like we we can do anything we want. Our our uh cycle gang that goes from 3 to 700 Probably by the end of the movie, every kid, every kid in Sydney suddenly is a part of the BNX bandits. Um, and, uh, you know, which is great because if you want to role play in this, there's enough characters out there uh, to uh, you could you could easily do a parallel to this. Anyway, complete, by the way, we should add in complete with the Looney Tunes appropriate cavalry music when the yes. kids show up. Yeah. This is not a subtle film. No, it this is, is not, not a film about nuance. This is this is a film about neon colored outfits australian accents and this sound effect i'm glad i'm glad that sound effect is prevalent throughout the movie so i don't have to really hunt for it in order to you record don't. it for this you don't i even put i even uh, have i wrote down the mark the time markers for when you hear it but all you have to do is watch it for five minutes and right, you get it right no yeah i know i know <laughs> all right Enough of talking around this. What is what is ugly about this film? Because we there's there's uh, I feel like there's one or two pieces that we could probably mention within the same five minute period. We have the police leave the station, but the female officer is left behind because 
she can take care of the people there rather than go do real police work. And then within that same five minute period, we have a hot woman slapped on the ass by the BMX bandits as they go by so that she can get pissed at somebody else and slap them. Uh, the sexism is very 1983. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make it right. No, agreed. No, I, I, you know, I, I will say that that same constable does go out and patrol earlier in the film. She also solves the mystery of right. it. She is competent. Right. I'm but, not saying she's not. I'm saying the yeah. chief treating her that way agreed. is that sexist. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, just, just so in case everyone, she is not a useless character. Uh, and of course, we didn't mention the the three teens' names. They are Goose, PJ, and Judy. Judy is captured twice. Um, but yes. manages to get out of those situations every single time. But um, she is the one out of the three that's captured. It's got to be the girl that's captured. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And again, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, it is a sign of the times, but I think she handles herself really well. I mean, you know, yeah, they captured Princess Leia, too, a couple of times, but look how that turned out for the Empire. So uh, <laughs> I think I think without Judy, the group fails in every attempt, uh, but you're, I agree with you in, in that one. Anything else ugly? Well, I, I don't know that it qualifies as ugly, but what the hell was airbrushed on the bad guy's boat? Because it looked like it was a Jesus figure, but it also looked like it was an ape. <laughs> oh, see, in my notes, it says... BMX Bandits, 1983 BMX Bandits, featuring the greatest boat airbrush job of all time. <laughs> uh, so this, a- this, this shows the the uh, subjectivity of art, uh, not only the art on the boat, but the art of this film. Because I'm sitting here going, what the hell is this? And Drew is commending it. <laughs> yeah. In case anyone's wondering and hasn't seen the film, it's Frazetta's Conan. Um, is that what it's supposed a- to be? It's absolutely was what it is. Yeah, it's it's a very famous um, Frazetta cover uh, of Conan on a red speedboat. It is choice. It is choice. Would you say it's mint? I would say it's mint. Thank you. That I should have said it was mint. Um, All right. What do you find ugly about this one? I mean, the, the, the again, the sexism in it. We have a, a scene where uh, Goose kisses Nicole Kidman uh you know there's there's yes. a, there's a lack of consent but again you know it's sign of the times it's not right uh he is reprimanded immediately for it and uh also i mentioned child endangerment we know that the bad guys have a car full of shotguns and they pull them out i mean there's there's a lot of threatening to gut children and shoot children that is disturbing to say the least but the resolution of those is Looney Tunes, completely right. Looney Tunes. But like kids, let me just say this: if if you're if we're playing a game and you know your your idea to to uh, solve the problem is to charge seven hundred kids on bikes towards uh, fully armed goons, I mean we're going to figure out a way to solve that in which your children are not mowed down. But I don't like guns pointed at kids. It's right. just yeah. So I, I should I should say I probably am taking this movie far too seriously. Right, you are taking this movie I... far, far <laughs> too seriously. I, I I have I have given you a a slow pitch over the plate <laughs> to to enjoy a complete uh, complete lack of nuance. It and is like just... the Bugs Bunny cartoon, I have swung at it at least three times and missed it every single time. Right, one one two three three six you're out. One two three strikes you're out. One two three strikes you're out. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, it's fine. You you are allowed to look at this film and take it apart piece by piece. This is what we do. You you are a movie critic. Is this a good movie? No, it is not a good movie. <laughs> no. Is it an enjoyable movie? For an adult, maybe not. But if I hadn't seen this before and someone puts this on for a kid and I'm watching that kid, I'm going to enjoy it just as much as they are. And and this movie made me miss how much fun it was to get on my BMX bike and ride around. You know, I mean, I it just, yeah, there's, there's a... <laughs> That's it fair. made me like watch this go. Oh, I wish I could do those stunts that they did. Where, whereas like now I'm just like I wish my knees worked. You know, it's <laughs> I wish my back didn't hurt so much. All right, Drew. What which kid are you asking that? Knowing that there's not many kids for you to pick from for this movie, right, and, yeah, and that your and that your typical go to answer of the weirdo isn't even in this movie. Oh, he's totally in this movie. Are you kidding me? Goose is the weirdo. He's the one who's constantly talking about weird, morbid things, watching horror movies. Uh, Your choices are Goose, PJ, Judy, or The Creep. Really, those are the only ones that have teens with speaking lines. The Creep is is a... A wealthy kid with... with Gross wealthy kid, right? No, it's it's absolutely Goose. Um, He's a movie fanatic... He uh, is, he's definitely more of the nerd of the group. I, I think, I mean, you know, there's not one that really represents me, but Goose is close enough. How about you? For all the reasons you just listed, Goose is also probably the closest to who I was as a kid, especially when you get into the movie fanaticism. So, yeah, I mean, it's the problem Goose, when you Goose only would hate have this three movie, main characters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like in some ways, Judy, right? Like she can't catch a break. Um, she just wants to hang out and do stuff. Uh, like the, the, the boss of the mall who's just harassing her about shopping carts. Like he needs to fire her so that the move, the plot of the movie could happen. But it's just what a jerk. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It is time for us to uh, rate this movie. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we do this on a, a double axis. We first talk about how good of a movie it is. Uh, or bad. Uh, and then we talk about how it is as a kids on bikes movie specific to that genre. So, Drew, uh, this was your pick. How mm-hmm. good of a movie is this on a scale of one to ten? I think if you're a kid in the 80s, this is an eight. I think if you're an adult, regardless of what time, if you're actually talking about a movie, not just enjoyment factor, but just a movie, I think it's a five. So you split the difference. I think it's a 6.5. Um, I don't think this is a miserable film. Um, I was not ever bored. I, I kind of rolled with it. It's not a good film. Um, and I, I think by far and away, I think it's, as far as movies go, it's the worst film that we've discussed. <laughs> but there are, I have seen worse movies. Um, so it's still definitely kids film. And for that, I have to give it some credit. So 6.5 for me. Okay. I, I take slight issue with it's not a boring film because I noticed today it's only an hour and 36 minutes long. It's not It's not a long movie. No, it's no. not even that long. Hour 29. Yeah. yeah. It's not a long movie. I paused it about every half an hour to get up and do something. Yeah. 
I was bored. So I, I for this the second time that you watched it. Yes, the second time that I watched second it. Time. But I, so so I, I I think you hit it right on the head. If you're an adult watching this, it's a five. And I that's that's mm-hmm. a, already the number I had settled on. And I love that you just <laughs> gave me <laughs> support in that idea. Yeah, I do think yeah. it's the weakest of the films that we have watched. Do I think it doesn't have merit? No, I think it has merit. But I, you know, I'm I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. Uh, it's not gonna be in my nostalgia go to closet, you know. But part of that is because I didn't see it in 1983. Yeah. So, you know, what, just just well before I forget, I think it's actually a very well directed film. Uh, we we probably should have brought this up. I think Brian Trenchard Smith does some clever things by mounting cameras on the bikes themselves, so you're yeah, getting agreed. a lot of like pedal powers and low. There's a lot of low to the ground when they're passing over. Um, just want to say that it, it's it's hard to direct kids. Again, kind of goes along with that. Um, I don't think it's Smith's fault. I think it's he said make a kids movie. He made a kids movie. There you go. Well, all right. Uh, The second way we look at the film is how is it as a kids on bikes movie? Drew, what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, I'm going to reiterate. This is the bikiest kids on bikes movie um, that we've discussed. Like the bikes are ubiquitous and they are essential to the plot of this this film. And I think, you know, we didn't really discuss whether it is a kids on bikes movie, like as far as our criteria, um, it, there are kids, there are bikes, the area that they're working on, even though Sydney is a, a pretty big place and you couldn't even tell what its dimensions are because it, they're kind of all over the place, you know, between blimp hangers, rugby fields and malls. But the purpose of their mission is to earn the money to build a neighborhood BMX court. And like, right. that's, Every place that they, they're at, it is an area where you always see other bikers. And so I think it's sort of the spirit is the neighborhood. I know it's it stretches that a little bit. Um, so I think as far as a Kids on Bikes movie, again, lower than almost anything else, I still think it's a seven. Because they are solving a mystery. They are evading bad guys. They are on bikes constantly. Um, so, yeah. No, I agree with that rating. Uh, seven sounds right to me. That yeah. I mean, again, I don't think it's a great movie, but I think as far as part of the kids on bikes genre, uh, as you said, it's the bikiest movie we're going to get. I feel a little justified now that we didn't really have bikes in last the last selection because this yes. helps balance that out. <laughs> we have made up for the lack of bikes. <laughs> but I do think what you said at the top of the show is this is an important entry as far as kids on bikes as a genre, I think this is an important movie. So, yeah, Seven sounds right to me, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It is time for our draft, uh, which is going to be interesting because, as Drew pointed out, you don't really have many characters to pick from here. And, frankly, I think Moses, who's on Drew's team, is going to kick the butt of anybody uh, that he picks. So, uh, But just to real quick to remind people who are already on our draft teams, this is where we pick characters from the movie to join our Kids on Bikes team. We pick from each movie, and then when we reach the end, we will cull it down to an actual team. Right now, on my team, from the Goonies, I have Mikey. From Attack the Block, I have Pest. I have Edgar Frog from The Lost Boys. From now and then, I have Dr. Roberta as the adult on the team. From Super 8, I picked Charles. And from The Kid Who Would Be King, I picked Betters. From The Goonies, I have Data. From Attack the Block, I have Moses. I have Grandpa Emerson from The Lost Boys. Now and then, I have Sam. Super 8, I have Alice. And The Kid Who Would Be King, I have Kay. So, Rafe, this was my movie selection, which means you get to choose first. So of our... Let's say, face it, four characters. Who do you want to add 
to your team? Uh, for me, there's there was no real mulling it over with this one. Uh, I, I think Goose is kind of the only real character we get any kind of depth on, and his depth is that he likes movies, which fits with me and fits my team perfectly. So I, I there's not a ton of talking about it this time. Goose is the one who I'm drafting to my team. I I love that, and I know after watching the movie, I'm like, oh, I really want Goose. I think he would work really well, but I think Goose. And Charles on your team oh God, are going to get anything done because they're going to be busy talking about movies. <laughs> right? And I think that's great. Like, I look forward to seeing that played out in a role-playing game. Um, I think that's a really excellent choice. So I have a choice between PJ, Judy, or the Creep. I'm not going to choose the Creep. Um, sorry, the Creep. That was Actually, that's the other thing, too, for my ugly. The Creep isn't even... I mean, it's... Making fun of anyone for their weight, I know it's one of those things that we're, we as a culture are kind of growing out of. We're not there yet. We're seeing less of it in movies. This was just egregious. The fact that the soundtrack goes into like a fart synthesizer every time he comes on screen. He, there yeah. isn't a scene where he isn't eating. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. Like he's a he's not a good person. Right. <laughs> but I don't feel like he deserves what cinema gives him. I'm going to go with Judy. I, given Judy or PJ, PJ's character is uh, is interesting, but there's like nothing to him. Right. He he just he yeah. There's just nothing. There's nothing to him. He's the handsome guy. Right. I he guess. Um. I will say both Goose and PJ are very supportive of everybody they come across who isn't the creep. Like I think they really are concerned about the community, and I think that's what kind of cool folks. Um. I think Judy could handle herself in almost any situation. And, you know, we were talking about Moses and Kay taking right. down a room. You give Judy a bike uh, and throw her in a in a, uh, a room full of goons. I think she could handle herself. So, yeah. I think no, I, she's she's the one character from this movie that I think Moses would tolerate. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, you could see her in Attack the Block on her bike pulling those stunts on the aliens. And I think it would, sure. it would work out really well. So yeah, I think, I think we both got the character that our group deserves, even if it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the, the best choices. Will they make the cut to our final <laughs> seven? I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for the first part of this. We'll be right back uh, to get into the gamification of BMX bandits. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, the weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it, there's going to be laughing. <laughs> Killer fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. Welcome back. All right. So now we're going to discuss how we can gamify the film so that anyone can play a role-playing game session inspired by the movie, regardless of the system that they're using. First thing we discuss is what we need to bring up in the first session zero. Uh, anything that we need to discuss as a group before we start playing. And I think the main thing that we need to discuss is 
One, is the group okay with there not being much of a plot and really focusing on how ludicrous you can make your bike tricks? And two, how menacing do you want your villains? More menacing than they are here. More menacing, yeah, right? Because otherwise there's no... So with this, it's essentially just asking your group, how are we rating this experience? This is a PG movie. Um, and considering the 80s and what used to count as PG, this might as well be a G movie. Right. Uh, there's almost... The fact that they have guns is probably what made it uh, and threaten, they threaten kids. It's probably what made it PG. Because there's no profanity. There's no nudity. There's nothing like that. There's one priest who gets attacked by a dummy at one point in time. <laughs> like, it's, I know. It's terrible. It's and terrible. They, they, in the first 10 minutes, there are two shootings of the gun, both times at nothing, just to show how intimidating they can be. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there, there, there is a poor box that gets absolutely demolished by, by the boss. The boss. Who I think was actually really good. Anyway, so yeah, so for for session zero, it's sort of like let's just talk about the tone of our gaming session because you need to going into this. If you're going to be inspired by this movie, you need to basically be able to go. We're just going to have fun tonight, right? Like this is how ludicrous can we make a bike, a car chasing a, a couple of kids on bikes? And if that's what your group wants, I think you're going to have a lot of fun. But that's that's it. It's just going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be. A bike trick heavy, environment crushing sort of a game where I think as a, a game master, you need to be as loose as possible on the rules. Again, regardless of what the system is, because your players are going to are gonna throw a lot of, I want to do this, and I feel like you have to yes and. You need to be able to discuss that with your players ahead of time so that you're not throwing out... Uh, a serious hard-boiled survival game, and they're riding their bikes into water parks. <laughs> <laughs> Which was one of my favorite parts of the chase. It comes out of nowhere. Right. But again, water boggins in the United States. Like I grew up in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where it was either a putt-putt golf course, a beachware store, a water bargain, a church, or anyway, it doesn't really matter. But like, you know, like, these were things that like, if, the fact that they didn't race on a go-kart track really was almost disappointing. Like, it would have made a lot of sense. <laughs> there is a kid who does chase down a moving vehicle, though, on foot. Uh, I'm not really sure how. But do you think there's anything else that we need to bring up in our Session Zero? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think you're, you, you hit it there, is that this is not going to be a rules-heavy system uh, or a rules-heavy uh, game. Uh, whether I'm assuming this is a one-shot. <laughs> I do not see making a campaign out of this. No, and I feel like this this film is in the middle of a of like I feel like you're like we watch this film and we kind of want to play around with it. You can throw this into an already existing campaign, Kids on Bikes campaign, to be inspired by it. One shot, absolutely, but um, yeah, this is going to be a real short section, folks. There's <laughs> there's there's not much. The fact that we talked about the movie itself for as long as we did is impressive, but. There's not much to inspire. There's it's about biking. So we I we we tried, but but we'll <laughs> we'll see. All right. This is the part that's usually the easiest and I really love it, which is coming up with the truths no matter what happens in the game. These are the truths, these are your guiding stars. This is what you're moving towards. I have five truths in this film, but I could just as easily have no truths in <laughs> in this film because the truths in this instance f 
feel like just be describing parts of the plot, which is not what we're designing to, to do. do. Right. But the film is, there has to be a goal for the group, something that they're working towards. We've, we have this a lot. So now and then had it, right? So like, how do you raise money to get your treehouse? The treehouse isn't as important. The bike bike park, what you're trying to build isn't as important, but it is the search for money that is going to kick off this story. Now, let me ask you this, though, Drew, because the movie takes a slightly different approach to this in that at the beginning of the film, the bike park is a wish, but they aren't trying to get money for it at that point. They're trying to get money to get Judy a bike and to get uh, Goose's bike fixed after that first crash. Right. So do you do this in stages or do you just focus on the end goal and, and go from there? No, so I would just I would just focus on the track, okay. um, mainly because the bike crash that destroys their bikes is how you introduce Judy to the other two characters. I would just assume that we start with their already friends and that they they're going to cross a criminal element in an attempt to to create this bike park. Okay. I think I think that's how I do it. Now, if you're looking for a, uh, if you're wanting to fit this into a campaign, and this is your first episode, and you want to f- explain, like if you're playing kids on bikes, you're going to be asking those questions in your zero session as to how they know each other. I mean, that's built into the game itself. If it's Dungeons and Dragons, maybe you do that thirty minute intro, hour long first session after you've made your characters, where you explain how their characters know each other, and maybe that's sort of it. It's like, oh yeah, it's kind of hard to break a horse and fix it, but maybe <laughs> your favorite your favorite horses have you've had a three horse pileup and you need to get a magic spell that will fix your horse, but also you need to get a horse for Judy. Like that's a little trickier. I mean. Call of Cthulhu, uh, I, you know, oh, anyway. Just, no, this is the one game we are not bringing Call of Cthulhu into. <laughs> oh, oh I, have, I have so many ideas. Oh, well, never mind. Brenda Wood Bay, then. No, so, yeah, I think the, the, the building of the community, because you have a lot of kids that have that same dream, so that's why they join the group at the end, mm-hmm. um, I think that makes a lot of sense. For, for the first one. So it's like your goal is to raise money for a project that will benefit the, your community. In this case, it's a BMX bike track. It could be something else. Okay. You know? All right. What's next? Uh, well, you have a MacGuffin, right? So what your criminals need the MacGuffin. Our players find the MacGuffin. The criminal element needs to get the MacGuffin back. And that is going to create the opportunity for the chase. Okay. The MacGuffin may or may not bring a police or uh, a, a guard element into the story because the adults in this are incompetent. And that's a, that's a truth um, in general that we find in these kids on bikes films. The, the adults generally are, are pretty incompetent and that goes for both the police and for the, the criminals. Um, you can only count on the kids, but that's how the kids on bikes work to begin with, right? They have right. all the agency. This is a weird one, but... I think as long as the kids are on their bikes, no plot development can occur. Now, that's a truth if you're being true to this film, because the plot is never moved forward when they're on the bikes. The plot only occurs when they're not on their bikes. True. And then this is a truth 
that you have to agree upon in your zero session. This is one you could easily leave depending on what your tone or your thing is. But if a kid is on a bike, they are invulnerable. So as long as the kids are on their bikes, uh, they cannot be caught. Uh, they cannot be hurt. Um, again, this is if you are playing true to this movie and you are just having a good time being as ludicrous as you can about your bike stunts, then that has to be a truth. That's I didn't think about that, but Goose's bike is damaged in that early sequence, but he's not hurt at all. No. And the two different times that they uh, capture Judy, she's not on her bike. Correct. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's clever. Okay, I like that. And the climax of the film, weirdly enough, has a ton, a ton of bikes in it, but our heroes give up their bikes in order to save Junie. And so, like... Because we already had a 30-minute chase scene, so the climax of the film doesn't feature the characters on bikes. <laughs> right. Which is why we get a 10-minute long, or 5-minute long post-credit sequence, or credit sequence, where it shows everybody on bikes. So right. they, they kind of balance that out. But, I, you know, like, that's the plot development. At the end of the climax, they have to be off their bikes in order to get the plot to move forward. They have to be off their bikes and have their bikes broken in order to discover the plot. And then there's a mid-sequence where they're not on their bikes, where they kind of understand the, who the criminals are, what they want, and why they want it, and what they can do about it. They're not on their bikes for that. So... No plot development when the kids are on bikes and when the kids are on bikes. But I will say this also about the movie. They always have helmets on. The they kids do. are always safe and they're always, even though it says specifically, don't try these stunts. <laughs> and the stunts are irresponsible, but at least they're wearing helmets. It helps yeah. hide the fact that the stunt Stun people are, are yeah. adults and not kids. Yeah. It, 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 there's nothing like a good uh, BMX helmet to hide the stunt artist instead. You yeah, captured yeah. the stunt artist, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So those are the truths. That's there are session zero. And then normally we like to come up with special rules for this. And again, you know, you might be inspired by this in Star Wars and you are using shiny Vespas in on Tatooine. You know, who, who knows what's <laughs> happening um, with that one. But assuming you have an equivalent to bikes... You know, if you're, I don't know, is there a Final Fantasy role-playing game out there where, where what are the, Chocobos? What are the, Chocobos, the, the, yeah. Chocobos. I don't know that like, there is a Final Fantasy role-playing game. You could, that's a good, you could that's do a good kids question. on Chocobos, right? Like, if there is something along those lines, like, it just has to be whatever your mode of transportation is, even in a fantasy setting. Um, so just replace that. But I think if you're going to put this up, there's a balance system that I've, I've been playing around with when I'm thinking about this. Because this movie is mostly on bikes and bike stunts with very little sleuthing. So how about this for your game mechanic? Sleuthing and evading baddies uh, on foot creates bike points. Doing creative bike stunts creates plot points. You as the game master decide what level they need to be at to actually attempt to close the session and solve the case has to be a combination of equal sleuthing points and bike points. So if you want to actually solve a mystery and not just make it be a chase sequence, one creates the other, but there has to be a balance. And so that way, the players, if the players were aware of this fact, they could be like, well, yeah, we do this stunt for, for an hour. We, we're having a lot of fun. We're rolling a lot of dice. We're getting a lot of points. But if we don't actually try to uh, move the plot forward, in other words, get off the bikes, then we're going to have a hard time finishing the session so one informs the other and it does seem counterproductive so maybe like why isn't sleuthing create sleuthing points and biking creating biking points 
I think if you do it the opposite way of that, maybe what you can do is actually spend your bike. Like you did this amazing stunt, you pulled it off, you got a certain number of points, then you could spend those points to help you solve crimes and vice versa. I think it's a way to balance the system if I were creating a uh, BMX Bandits one sheet. Maybe. Gotcha. You, you've you've gotten a lot more out of a gamification of this than I would have, so that's why, well, it's that's why you're of, here. <laughs> it's sort of how I watch everything. Now, uh, you know, we were talking off mic. I watched Casablanca the other day. I came up with a Casablanca role-playing game. It's just how my brain works. Oh, you, you and I haven't gotten to chat because in the, the two months in between episodes, we haven't really chatted much, but I watched the Bob's Burgers movie in the theater. I mean, it just came to streaming when I watched it in the theater, and I was like, it's a kids on bikes movie, in part. Yeah. yeah I've, <laughs> I've, you're not the first person to mention that to me, though there are adults in that movie, and yes. they help solve something. So yes, is that something that we could use, or is the adults' uh, involvement with it it's, so... It's- I think it's too much adult in involvement, but the the if you took the adult involvement away, you'd have to you'd have to remedy the story differently. We're talking about a completely different movie now, but yeah, okay. It's, well, it's, that might be you know one day we have talked about doing uh, almost kids on bikes movies right, that right. we could maybe do like three or four of them in a special session. We still haven't talked about our Patreon page, so you know like if we if we do something along those lines, maybe that's we save that for that. In the meantime. What do we? Where do we handle this next? Well, we look at normally look at set pieces that you'd want, and and you've got a couple written down on our sheet here. But I just want to draw attention to the fact that Drew gave you that list a few minutes ago about growing up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where everything was. What did you say? Uh, miniature uh, golf, store, putt putt golf, uh, uh, water bogging, go tra- go kart track, uh, church, le- uh, you know, adult oriented entertainment. Uh, and then repeat. Yeah, and and that's and that's if you ask me, there are your set pieces. I mean, yes, there are ones specific to the movie. So mm-hmm. you know, they do have scenes on the dock. They do have the the shopping center. Uh, Drew is referring to it as a mall. I'm thinking more like I think of a mall as enclosed. You do have the the cemetery scene as we talked about. But as far as this is going to require you as the game master to come up with some ridiculously outlandish locales for these bike chases to take place. And I think if you look at what Drew said about where he grew up, then there's your there's your list. <laughs> well, I also think that you you don't put this entirely on the game master's shoulders. I think if if I'm playing this, I I want to be surprised as a game master. So what I might uh do is I would say Everybody write down like five or six different locations that you think would be fun to ride a be a fun slash dangerous slash ludicrous, um, and then cut those pieces up, put them in a hat, and shake it. Sure. And then it's like, okay, you are entering area X. You pull a name, so that way it's even a surprise to the, both the game master and the players. But then you still have that investment by the players of having come up with those situations where it's sort of like, okay. You're in a you're in a putt putt miniature golf course, right? Like, what is it that you can do to pull off the cool stunt? And of course, the cool stunt in that scenario is you take something that you have on your person, maybe the MacGuffin, and you hit the ball. It makes it into the hole. So you're rolling this, you know, a flight check or a dexterity check to see if the ball actually goes in, and if it scores, that like lowers the drawbridge, allowing your bikes to drive through 
that particular um, stage of the putt-putt course, of course, the drawbridge comes back up right as the, the baddies are about to, to get in there. You know, like that sure. sort of a thing. Well, and like, can you imagine, I mean, in the way it's used in the movie, it's a, a one of the few bikeless scenes uh, as far as the, the story goes. But can you imagine the tricks that could have been pulled off if they were riding their BMX bikes in the cemetery? Yeah. Yeah. Jumping over the open graves. Right. Um, yeah. I do. You, you mentioned the decks or or whatever role. I do want. To, I did mention fail to mention when we were talking about the movie that this has the greatest luck roll success ever. <laughs> when he uh, grabs the radio and stabs the bad guy in the eye through the mask, <laughs> yes, <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> like a, a great reference to um, Halloween, right? It's sort right. of the close the close hanger. Um, the coat hanger scene. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's some fun references in this one, too. Actually, 1983, that would have been only three years. Yeah. that There's your masks. I think they're basically trying to do Halloween. Um, they are teenagers. They are masked individuals chasing kids. It creates that threat. But it's not... It's not scary. Like, no. Australia is not particular. Like, of all the things in Australia to be afraid of, people in sunshine and bikes are not, the, not uh, <laughs> what I would have gone to first. Um we mentioned kids on bikes. Clearly, this is like the best system to play would be kids on bikes. Um, you know, there's kids on bikes doesn't really have a whole lot of rules for bikes. That's one of the things I like about it is the fairly subjective game where you could just go, I, I don't know, I want to do a flip on my bike over over an open grave onto a moving vehicle. What, what role should that be? I think it should be a flight role. You know, yeah, there you go. I mean, like, you don't have to have a lot of rules to make this work. Right. D&D, anything's going to be work along those lines the tricky thing is this is a movie very much about bikes so i i think we, we talked about um d20 modern in our last episode you could easily pull that off in something along those lines you know sure if this is happening in 1890 could you do a velocip kids on velocipedes um uh for for a call of cthulhu game maybe uh, <laughs> There's there's a lot that you could do. Essentially, this is just a chase interlude session, right? And I think it's a really fun chase. And you can always chase the thing. The, the important thing with kids on bikes or a, a bike chase versus a car chase is that you cannot have more than two individuals on one vehicle, right? Like you, if one of the bikes gets destroyed, someone could jump onto the other bike and ride on the back or on a sidecar if it's a motorcycle. But the important thing is you should be able to split up. You should be, uh, uh, your vehicle should be light enough that you can pull off stunts. Stunts are the most important part so you can get this sound effect. You don't have to include that one. I'm sorry. Oh, I do. I, would... I totally do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, we mentioned Brindlewood Bay, Old Ladies versus Cthulhu. Is that a good one for this uh, this world? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I mean, if their walkers have wheels on them and they could ride them down hills and do stunts. Yeah. You, you, know. you really stretch to get a gamification out of this movie. I just want to point that out. I've never seen this level. <laughs> I cannot watch a movie now without gamifying it. Honestly, I should just quit my job and go into this business and just 
do IPs. It's I feel like it's a now a human failing. Uh, I, I I don't know how to interact in social situations. People are like, oh, you know, what did you learn in school? I don't remember. I was too busy trying to figure out how to uh, gamify my dinner with Andre. So what I was thinking is, it kind of depends on what you order. Anyway, keep in mind, it's still a movie. It's still a movie podcast. That's gonna do it for the uh, the gamification side and for this episode. Before we go, uh, uh, we do want to mention we normally talk about kickstarters and, and such in our intermission. I'm sure we'll have some to talk about uh, when we when we do our intermission coming up. But uh, friend of the podcast uh, and, and previous guest. Uh, Doug Lewandowski has a Kickstarter going on right now, only for a couple more days at the point that we record this. Uh, it is called Calls to Action Extraordinary Party Backgrounds for 5th Edition. Uh, it is active on Kickstarter right now, and we just wanted to make sure we did throw notification in about that because it's something that we're both very uh, excited about. We both have already backed it, and uh, it, again, it doesn't have a whole lot of time left at the point that we're recording this, so we wanted to make sure we gave that a notice. Well, uh, that is it for us. Join us in two weeks for our BMX Bandits intermission episode, where we'll discuss our second opinions, if there are any. There's not. <laughs> if there's, was there anything else to talk about? Maybe there is. Uh, and what we might have missed about the film the first time around, uh, we'll go over listener emails. We'll chat about what's grabbed our attention on Kickstarter, and we'll announce our next Kids on Bikes film. If you have opinions of your own about anything we've discussed today, you can join in the conversation. You can email us at the never say die podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Never Say Diecast group. It is a closed group, but it is set up so you could just ask to join and you're there. Uh, we're on Twitter at Never Say Diecast. Uh, thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Megan Daly for our show artwork. And remember, even if. Never say die. <laughs>